My sister, Lori Vallow, murdered her children, Tylee and JJ, and buried them in a pet cemetery. And we're all trying to make sense of it. So let's talk about it. Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to call this a special edition because we are recording it today, releasing it tomorrow, posting it tomorrow, because we want to talk about the re- reactions to Lori's sentencing. Now, we, Adam and I had different experiences, so we'll be talking about them. I had the chance to go and be there in the courtroom in Idaho and to experience that and everything that happened after, the media frenzy after, and good experience. But let's start off, Adam, with your reactions as family member, Lori's brother. Well, <clears throat> you know, I did a couple of interviews that day of the the sentencing on Monday. And, you know, the same a lot of people ask me the same question. Why don't you or anybody in your family, why aren't you going to the sentencing? Why didn't you do a impact statement? Um, those kinds of things. Um, and to answer that, everybody has, as you know, everybody has a different feeling about this whole thing. We all we all are taking it at different steps and different emotions. So for me, um, and I think it's a double-edged sword for me, um, if I go, people are like, oh, he's there to get attention. If I don't go, oh, he doesn't care about the kids or I've heard everything. So I don't, I didn't want to be there just because I haven't seen Lori uh, personally in a long time. Um, I don't want to be in that situation. I'm not ready to do that. People are like, well, are you ever going to go visit her in jail? And my answer to that is, I don't know yet. I'm not at a position where I can say yes or no right now. I definitely wasn't in a position to to go to the court hearing and be there. I just I couldn't do it. I have a hard time sometimes getting out of bed and you know on days. So um, I did not go. Um, when you say you're not in a position, you're talking about emotionally, emotionally yeah, healing wise. Healing wise, I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. and you know and. You know, people. Some people in my family may be there, and, and they may not be there. But I can't answer for anybody but me. So, um, so I did not go. I did listen to uh, the hearing, um, and so I didn't watch it, but I just listened to it. Uh, so that was the stage that I was at, um, and you actually were there. So I before I go through some of these questions, I want you and I to talk about. Give me your perspective of why you wanted to be there or why, um, what was the courtroom like with the people and Lori being there and, and all those things and your emotions and how you felt about it. I have to start with uh, breaking a cardinal rule in my marriage. My wife doesn't want me <laughs> bringing her into just about anything, but yeah. I trust her intuition so much. Yeah. And it was... Sunday evening, I was talking to my daughter on the phone. She walked by and, hi, Melissa. Hi, Lisa. Lisa, what are you doing? I'm just getting ready to tell your your father that we're going to the sentencing. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) At 8.30 at night on Sunday. So we were in the car at 9 o'clock heading up for the seven and a half hour drive to Idaho. Right. Because I trust her intuition. And she said, I feel like you, you need to go. Yeah. And 
I wasn't opposed to going. I was opposed to 16 hours in the car. Yeah, driving. That's a lot. That's a big trip. Right. But I'm so glad I went because we talk about healing a lot, of course, on this podcast. Yes. And it's just a wonderful healing opportunity to be with all these people that are trying to heal. They're all involved. Mm -hmm. Just like people listening to this podcast, you're involved in what we're doing in the case. Most of us do we not need healing. Most of us are at least scarred, if not traumatized, Right, and we need healing. So every opportunity to do that, I think, is a good one. And there is a lot of love being shared there amongst people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've gotten close to Kay and Larry since this process started, and Mm -hmm. I was sitting next to, to Larry while Kay read her victim impact statement. Oh, right. I loved being there live and seeing the expressions on the people that read their victim impact statements and then walked back and sat down. We were right next to Tammy's sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great experience to have that connection with the people that are involved. Because like you and I are going to talk about healing and we're going to talk about people at different levels in their life from this case of the healing process and everybody heals differently. There shouldn't be any judgment of how people are healing or if people are still angry or if people have completely forgiven things or have completely on their way to, you know, peace. Um, we'll talk about that. And like you said, there's people in the court that were probably all different levels of that mm-hmm. while you were there. Um, going back to impact statements, was there an impact statement that you weren't expecting to hear or um, or was there one that got you to where you were starting to think like, man, there's there's something here? Or was there an impact? Sta- I know the judge had stopped some people from their impact statements because they were going in a direction. I guess he told them not to go in, right? Impact statements are structured by law. Okay. And so apparently all the impact statements had been submitted and the judge had previously said, you can't cover this and this in your impact statement. Okay. So when the judge just stopped it himself, it was for that reason, because they started to go there where they couldn't go. Okay. I gained, I have total respect for Judge Boyce. I know he's been taking a beating in social media, but I'm convinced he is laser focused on, we are going to follow the law and give this no opportunity from our mistakes of being appealed. Right. And that's what he was doing there. Now, of course, the defense objected, which is their right to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it. I don't know of anyone that did, but it's their right to do. Again, right. feeling that those guidelines were not being followed. And that was the other interaction that we had, the sidebar and the other interaction during that. So, so with with the with the defense and and I get this because I'm I'm on this team, a lot of people are like, look, we all know that Lori did it, right? And that she needs to get life in prison. And everybody agrees on that. And then I always hear the statement, how could you defend somebody like that? And in our in our um, in America, there is a, a process that you have to do that. And this is what the defense lawyer, Lori's defense lawyer, the public defender had said, look, I'm my job is to defend her. She has. But 
I think some people got really upset at things that he was saying and he brought in Jesus and he brought in peace and he brought in healing, which I'm a fan of Jesus and peace and healing. But when you put it with what Lori did to the kids and people's emotion gets involved, I can see how um, it, it, it made people upset at him for bringing that up. Um, so with that being said, let's talk about um, kind of the shocking thing is I didn't know that Lori was going to speak. Did you? I did not know. We had heard that possibility. Oh. Just like we had for the, not the sentences, what were they? The verdicts. The verdicts, yeah. She had the opportunity to speak. There's speculation that she would because she has said all along that she wanted to speak. Right. So we knew there was a possibility, but it was still a surprise to everyone when she actually did it. Yeah, okay. So that's what really surprised me because under this whole thing, Lori hasn't said a word to anybody about anything. And so when she actually started talking... um. You know, a lot of my, <clears throat> my emotions were coming up because the way that she was talking was exactly the same mentality that she had when I was standing in the kitchen with her and she told me she was becoming a immortal being. So I started to feel anxiety inside again and freaked out a little bit listening to how she was explaining that. Tylee and JJ are okay and they visit her in the jail cell and that she's with Jesus and everything is is great and and then you know I'm just like I and I can't decide in my mind is she really delusional or is she just lying to everybody because she doesn't want to real take in the responsibility of what her and Chad and Alex did. So I'm kind of, I don't, I'm, you know, I definitely need to talk to a therapist about this, but I'm divided in the, in the middle of where she actually is in this process. But even with that being said, I am very upset and angry at some of the things that she said, because taking responsibility is one thing. Or not taking not responsibility. Taking. Yeah, not taking responsibility is one thing, but then, you know, when she's talking about, you know, that the kids and Tammy all died in a different way than they actually did, that is very uh, upsetting to me. Upsetting, arrogant, irresponsible, right? Stupid, right? There are many words to to describe that. And yeah. I imagine we're all feeling that. I can't imagine that someone takes that. Actually, my youngest daughter, Kaylee, said, well, Dad, I don't have much of an expectation for when she speaks. Right. Because of her condition. Whatever label you want to put on her condition. Yeah. I believe you can be delusional and still lie through your teeth. And I think she did. She was both. Doing both, yeah. And delusion or mental illness, whatever label you want to put on it, never makes you unaccountable for the decisions you make. So whatever label you put on her or want to argue about what should be put on her, she is responsible. I like the label evil. What she did is pure evil. Evil. No doubt. No, and there's no excuse for evil other than you decided to do it. To do evil. Right. So when Lori was talking in the courtroom, 
did you look around? Was there expressions on people's faces that they were like, oh, I can't believe she's talking or the way she was talking? Or did you talk to anybody afterwards about that? Well, a lot of people afterwards, and we've seen comments on yeah. the several yeah. podcasts and, and interviews that have yeah. been done. Yeah. All of the reactions are consistent. I think we're all, whatever the right description is, I've heard it put many ways, nauseated. I said to my wife, I'm infuriated. Yeah. In the courtroom, you're instructed not to react, to hold your emotions. They had extra bailiffs in there, and the judge told everyone anything that they deem inappropriate reaction, people are going to be taken out. And they had plenty of people to, take them to out. do that. Mm -hmm. And the bailiffs would take them out. So with that guidance... You didn't see a lot of reaction. No one was jumping up. I did see a lot of reaction. I looked around. People are nodding their heads. People have all the facial expressions you would that experience. That you would expect. Right, yeah. Or that you would expect. Yeah. Yes. So there was one um, impact statement that you said um, you were kind of uh, thrown off with a little bit because of how you felt, like you said, infuriated, Right that somebody said that they're at peace. I'm still angry. Yeah. I mean, here, what, two days later, yeah, three it, days later. It hasn't gone away. And I don't know when it will. And so, but we talk about healing in our podcast, and I'm not ready to be healed. I don't even want to go there. I want to be angry because it upset me so much. Yeah. At the same time, I am so impressed with two lines. I'm impressed with all of Kay's impact statement. I'm yeah. impressed with all of the impact statements. Yeah. They had the chance to say things that a lot of us wish we could say. Mm -hmm. I wish there would have been more impact statements. I wish Larry would have had the opportunity to give, to give an impact statement. Mm -hmm. And we heard some of his when he came and addressed the media after the sentence. Right. But he said to me, I, we got to talk quite a bit in the process, he said, I've been working on my impact statement for four years. I'm really disappointed I can't, can't oh, give it. Yeah. And, of course, he coordinated with Kay, so a lot of what he wanted was represented. Mm -hmm. um, I wish we would have heard Annie Cushing, who wanted to give an impact statement at the end. Anyone that wanted to that felt that moved, I wish we could have heard it. Excuse me, could have heard it. Yeah. Um, but what what really impresses me... Today is when Kay referenced her son, Todd, who is a biological father of J.J. Right. And remember, he didn't give him up like willingly out of lack of love. He loved J.J. Um, or Caden is, was his name at the time. Yeah. He loved him and just saw that it would be better for him to um, have him adopted under under the circumstances but Kay, in her statement, said, Lori, Todd forgives you. I wanted you to know that. And then she returned to her impact statement. Right. And We're I'm thinking Todd right now is basking in peace. I'm upset. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'll be upset for a while. Mm -hmm. Todd isn't experiencing that. I don't know what his initial reaction was, but I know now from that statement that 
he's a lot further along the road to healing than I am. Yeah. And I'm wondering, how, and being JJ's biological father, knowing that he gave up his son to be in a better position and then his son ended up getting killed, that has got to be uh, some kind of emotions that he's dealing with. And for him to be at peace and he's forgiven and he's gone on, how do you get there? And that's, 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 this is what we're talking about. We want to be there. Trust me. I would love to have peace. I would love it. And sometimes I do. It's rare, but sometimes I do. I would love to get to the point in my life where I feel at ease to be me again. I'm still, I don't know how long it's going to take. So, um, that's one of the reasons I, I, I didn't go. I just, I'm not there yet to do that. Um, so when Lori um, was sentenced to, I think it was three lifetimes, right? Without parole. Without parole. And other sentences along with well, Yeah, the other sentences. And I know the judge did a great job. I think the judge did a good job of explaining everything. Yes. And... Um, was there any surprise from anybody that Lori wasn't going to get three life in prisons? I, I'm pretty sure we all were thinking this was going to happen. I believe everyone, everyone that I talked to and heard talk about it, no one was surprised. Everyone was relieved. Yeah. And uh, that's one of the first things that Larry said to me. He said, Okay, we expected this, but I didn't know how big of a relief it would be. Yeah. So to, he did feel that, that good relief. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, um, in being interviewed that day when Lori's sentencing went down, and you and I both did several interviews that day, one of the things was, so now that Lori's going to be going to Arizona to... Um, face charges of Charles's death and Brandon's attempted murder. What do you, how do you feel about that? And I said, I hope, and you know, we all heard what Lori said and it, she seems like she's on another planet, you know, when she talks. So my hope is that she just says, look, I'm guilty because we all know she is, that she just does that to avoid a trial for me. Now, I know other people want a trial. They want her to to sit there and, and go through what she just went through. It, maybe that will something will snap in her and she'll understand what she's doing or more lies are going to come out, which Lori lied about everything. So... Um, your let me say your cousin and my niece Megan Connor yeah. would call that her childlike wish. Right, she said that in her in her reaction. That's my childlike wish too. I would love for that to happen. Yeah, I do not expect it in the least. That she'll, that she'll, you don't think that she's going to say I did it and just you think there's going to be a court. Or do you think Lori's? Yes. Yeah. So there's no way Lori's going to just say, I did it and I'm guilty. She's already got three life sentences. That would be a total shock to me. She didn't accept any responsibility this time. No. Why would she start accepting it? Right. Okay. So there's that. 
The other thing uh, that I wanted to, to bring up was something that was said uh, to me about uh, Lori. And um, I didn't know exactly what to uh, think of it. And um, it was when Lori started to go down this road of she had a near-death experience. Now, I was I grew up with Lori, and when and I we talked about this in our book. We talk about this. Mm-hmm. I have a whole chapter about when Lori actually changed. They're like, well, Lori wasn't always like this. So what happened? That's the, that's one of everybody's biggest questions. And I think one of the biggest things that happened with Lori was she started reading these books that were near death experiences. That was a change for her. Mm-hmm. I remember her a long time ago when she read one. She was like, oh, my gosh, this near-death experience, and I can't put this book down. Like It, it resonated with her. She wanted to have a near-death experience because the, the books that she was reading, she felt like she wanted that. Why wasn't she special enough to have a near-death experience like these other people? So I think that was the very – you would talk about the very beginning – before Chad, before Julie Rose podcast, before any of that, it was uh, a book that she read about a near-death experience. And then she started reading other books about near-death experiences, and that became her obsession was near-death experiences. Before she got onto predicting the end of the world and listening to Julie Rose talking about call-outs and all the other stuff that go along with that. So I started thinking about when she was doing her statement. And she said, when I had Colby, her son, she said that I died and I left my body. And then she said, I think she said she, my sister Stacy came to her. I think it was when she was having Tylee, wasn't it? Well, she said Colby. Okay. But it it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Either one. That was something I've never heard her say. So that... When I start thinking about Chad and Lori coming up with lie after lie after lie after lie, with Chad's book, I think he was a grave digger, and he said something about he had uh, an experience when he was digging graves with the other side coming to talk to him. So that was Lori's initial, I think, her, I think that was Lori's initial uh, attraction to, to Chad was he had experiences with the other side. I think that was her thing. So when she said that she had this near death experience and then she saw all this stuff, it was an, uh, to me, it's another one of her lies. So she can feel special or that she can, um, uh, you know, want people to know they, 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 I feel like they constantly have to come up with a one upper, well, in particular with near-death experiences, and I'm going to rely on our, our true crime listeners to help us out in the comments on this. I believe okay. I believe that the way I understand it, not having read, read Chad's books or followed any of that, right. my understanding is he started remembering near-death experiences he had had after Julie Rowe got popular with her near-death experiences. Then all of a sudden he remembered... He had near-death experiences and could see beyond the veil, see through the veil. Oh. So he remembered them. So now it's Lori's turn to remember, oh, yeah, I had one too. Right. And so... And then once you have one and you write a book about that one, then what? Game on? Because at that point, 
you don't have any more material. You had your experience. Oh, I had another one and then another one. And then you have to come up with some crazy idea of what this experience was and then try to explain to people. And the thing about near-death experiences, I'm sure some people have had them. I believe in them. Yeah. But I don't believe it's it could happen more than once. <laughs> I mean, or I, I don't know what the rules are. I don't know what the rules are either, but this is the this is the when Lori was doing her statement and she brought that up, I was like, what is what is she saying? I've never heard her say this before. And usually I've heard everything that she had to say about near death experiences. If this happened to her, why why didn't any how come I never knew about it? Cuz she wanted the attention. Why wouldn't she say it to get that attention then? So that, in my mind, my opinion, was a, a completely made-up thing. Um, and then, you know, her description of what she's been doing in jail, you know, having visitors from, you know, the other side come and visit her and everybody's fine. I think it infuriated a lot of people. Us included, or me included. Yeah. No, I, I it's just, it, yeah, I, I didn't expect it. And so I think it caught me off guard even though I know that she's on this train of, of delusion or whatever it is that she's doing. Um, yeah, it, it got me pretty good. I, when she first started speaking and started quoting John chapter eight, and you know, right where she's going with that, you know, we aren't supposed to be talking, but I was drumming my fingers. I got mad right away. Yeah. And I said to Lisa, when she said, he who was without sin cast the first stone, yeah. I said to Lisa, do we have any stones? Right. I'll throw in here, not because I haven't sinned. I've sinned plenty. Yeah. I didn't kill my kids, and I don't think anyone in that courtroom could have, so we could have had quite the stoning going on. No doubt. At, about that. And so I was angry. That was my— Right off the bat. That was my she, angry reaction. She went right into trying defense mode. Hey, you guys— I'm not responsible. Right. And so I was upset already and thought, okay, I'll calm down. I'll listen. I'll try to open my mind. And it got worse. worse. You, you were, and yeah. the height for me was, seriously, you're going to tell us that you had forgotten a near-death experience and now you're, you're you, laying it. That and I think the one thing for us, too, um, is that she was saying that like Tylee overdosed on drugs or com committed suicide or JJ committed suicide or she didn't Tammy. say who she didn't say who, but there was three, three different excuses that the three people died. Her friend, Tammy Daybell. We were, of course, I already mentioned sitting next to Tammy's sister and brother -in -law yeah. and behind Tammy's aunt. And we were, we didn't know how to feel whether we should slink under the under the bench just out of embarrassment from for for them hearing yeah. that and the fact that they couldn't jump up and yeah do something about it it, right. it, it, it was tough to deal with so that's so with Lori saying those things everybody that I was getting texts from and things everybody was very angry that she took that tone. Exactly. But with that tone, she also tried to, and her lawyer tried to, incorporate Jesus and forgiveness and love, which, you know, 
it's hard for me because I'm all about Jesus. I'm all about forgiveness and I'm all about love, but I'm not at a stage in, in my emotions where I can go down that route right now. I just, I'm just not, I, I want to trust me. I want to, I just, I'm not there. So, and I, I'm sure I got a couple years of therapy in, in front of me that, you know, maybe will help me get there one day. Like we talked about healing and we talked about peace. And the reason we're doing this podcast is to talk things out and maybe, you know, help other people tr- get through some stuff with peace and, and healing. I hope so. I wish he wouldn't have taken the approach he took. But at the same time, I admire Mr. Thomas and Mr. Archibald, her, de- her team, defense. her defense team, yeah. being taking that position you know, to be her defense team. We need that in the system. We need attorneys that are willing to represent someone in this situation. Yeah. And I'm reminded she didn't give them anything to work with. Nothing. And so every time I get irritated during the trial when Mr. Thomas would object and it irritated me. Now, I didn't have much irritation against Mr. Archibald, and I talked with him a couple of times during during the trial and just thanked him for yeah. his role and said, I realize she doesn't give you anything to work with. So you have they had to make stuff up or come up with the best approach. To defend her without knowing, yeah. Without anything, without any material, without a defense. What yeah. could they defend? Nothing. Yeah. And so I recognize the position they were in. So as we talk about Lori's sentencing, as we come to an end of another podcast, um, healing is something that we're all going to have to try to do on our own, um, have get help with other people. We're all on different levels. And I think there's different things that can help. And, you know, praying, I think, in my opinion, is a big thing is a lot of people like to meditate, um, uh, reading books that are forgiving and in peace. Just giving and sharing love. And I mentioned there was a lot of that there. That was a big silver lining to being there, just expressing love, expressing support. We got a lot of it from people that listen to our podcast. I appreciated that so much. Yeah. And you just get it from different people there. That's that's a big factor. Well, we're in it together on this podcast with you guys and your comments and us trying to, you know, make sense of all this and trying to figure out how to heal from this uh, tragedy that keeps going on. This has been Tylee and JJ's Silver Linings Podcast. Your input is helping us make sense of this. We encourage your comments on our Facebook page or email Tylee and JJ Silver Linings at gmail.com. This has been a production from a podcast studio.